Okay, so a little review. I have been teaching a mini-series entitled The Two Sides of Grace. The first side of grace that I've taught on the last two weeks is the cross side of grace. The cross side of grace is everything that was purchased for us through Jesus once and for all time at the cross. Jesus paid for our salvation and all of, all of the benefits of our salvation. And it's all part of his extraordinary grace. With that grace, he purchased the fullness of our forgiveness, redemption of sin once and for all, redemption of past sin, even five minutes ago past sin, redemption, complete redemption, forgiveness, remission of sin. And because of that remission of sin, we've been made righteous. That's who we are. We are righteous. That's our state of being. We don't move in and out of righteousness. It is constant. It is our position with Christ. Because of this righteousness, because of who we are through the blood of Jesus, we've been reconciled unto God. That's what we were just singing about. Jesus, that you would pay the price that I could openly have access to you, that I could openly have access to my Father, that we have unbroken fellowship, completely free to come before Jesus at any moment. In fact, when he was on the cross and he said, it is finished, and darkness covered the place and there was an earthquake, the temple or the curtain in the temple tore from heaven to earth at that moment. Not the moment he was resurrected. The curtain tore the moment he died. That's when the price was paid for us to be reconciled unto God. So this amazing fullness of salvation was purchased for us at the cross. Healing is a part of salvation. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He took our sin into his body on the cross so that we would die to sin and be resurrected into a new state of righteousness. By his stripes, we were healed. That's all part of the same scripture. It's all part of salvation. In Psalm 103, verse 2, the scripture says, we have been forgiven of all of our iniquities and healed of all of our diseases. Same scripture. They're both part of salvation. That's the cross side of grace. We access this grace through our simple faith. We don't access it through works. We don't access it through being good enough. We could never be good enough. But Jesus paid the price for us so that we have access, but we only access through faith. So the governing principle of this cross side of grace is grace and faith. Grace and faith. And the, the most powerful expression of faith is rest. We've been talking about that over the last couple weeks. Rest is simply believing that what Jesus did is more than enough. And that takes us into a whole nother realm. Because as we walk out our Christian life, we think that it's up to us 
to be good enough. But it isn't. It was up to Jesus. And if we think that we have to be good enough to receive healing, we're believing a lie. We're believing a lie. That has to break God's heart. In Galatians 2.21, this isn't on your sheet, but in Galatians 2.21, it talks about the law. And it says, if we think that we have to follow the letter of the law, when Jesus paid such a great price to free us from the law, then he died in vain. In fact, I see this, this mentality, this believing a lie that we have to be good enough as a subtle form of pride because we're looking at ourselves. We're focusing on ourselves, and that's a definition of pride. Looking at yourself above, more important than others. And in that case, we're looking at ourselves more important than Jesus, as if Jesus didn't do enough. So the highest form of faith is resting in the finished work of Jesus. And the, the, the experience I told you about today is an example of that. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to rest in that place of just letting him be God in our lives. Letting him love us. That's what grace is. It's this amazing love that was paid for through Jesus' death and resurrection. So we talked about the cross side of grace over the last couple of weeks. Today we're going to make a, a switch. And we're going to talk about the resurrection side of grace. I'm really excited to share this. I've never shared this before. It's new to me. Um, I talk about this all the time, but you guys know I'm doing Karis Bible College online. And I'm getting so much amazing, deep teaching. And I believe a lot of it takes a lot. I mean, when there's so much, it doesn't all go in here. But a lot of it is. As I'm reading, as I'm studying, as I'm letting it go in, and then as I'm preparing to share it with you, it's getting deeper and deeper in my heart. So that's my prayer for you. That this truth, probably you've never heard it because I had never heard it, but it's all biblical. And this truth was one of those things that as I was sitting in front of my computer at home, I was going, wow, 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 wow. And I'm marking it all up and I'm putting big stars on. I'm writing notes. Don't forget this, you know. And I always have a, a, a list going at home of things that I want to study more or read more or listen more or learn more. So I pray for you today that you get a wow today, that God just speaks to your heart. So the resurrection side of God's grace is what is available to us through the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection side of grace empowers us to live horizontally with the world, manifesting Jesus wherever we go. So the cross side of grace because we were reconciled to God and the heavens were open, the throne room was open for us to come face to face with God, the cross side of grace gives us the ability to have a vertical relationship with the Father. The resurrection side of grace empowers us 
to have this horizontal relationship in our day-to-day -day life, in our day-to-day -day walk, both for our own needs and wherever we go, to be Jesus wherever we go, to carry Jesus wherever we go. That's the resurrection side of grace. But there's a, a real important key, and I did put it on your sheet, and that is that all kingdom work horizontally with the world, which is a, a result of resurrection grace, all horizontal work proceeds from our vertical relationship with God. Our vertical relationship is first. Our, our having relationship, personal relationship, time with God, letting him love us, letting him pour into us. That is the, the prerequisite, if you will, for resurrection grace to be impactful in our lives. First our vertical relationship, then our horizontal relationship. So you'll see on your handout that there are a lot of uh, truths that I'm going to be sharing tonight about resurrection grace. We're just going to go through these little amazing nuggets of truth. And the first one is that through the resurrection of Jesus, we've been given new life, resurrection life. This new life that we live, that Jesus came to give us, he came to give us a life, a rich, a satisfying, full, abundant life. Isn't that what John 10.10 10 says? That is available because of the empowerment of the resurrection side of the cross. The resurrection, I said that wrong, the resurrection side of grace. So, look at the scripture. Romans 6, verse 4 and 5. Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. For since we are permanently grafted into him, we experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. That new life is called our eternal life. Our eternal life starts the moment, the second that we receive Jesus as our Savior. It doesn't start after we die. I'm living my eternal life now, and so are you if you are a born-again child of God. That word eternal life, this is the words I use to describe it. Forever zoe. Forever zoe. Zoe. Eternal life. The Greek word zoe, Z-O-E, means the fullness of life that God has intended for us. Not what the world lives. That's not the fullness of life. The fullness of life is life with God in us and us in him. When I was first saved, this caught me by surprise. I didn't know what I was missing until I came to know Jesus. I didn't know that I was missing something. And guys, out in the world, we see it all over. We see people seeking to have something filled in them. They're missing something. They're seeking to fill it. They fill it with all sorts of things. Extreme sports, extreme partying, extreme work, extreme 
sports, extreme, 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 trying to fill that hole that nothing's going to fill except Jesus. But that when we receive the benefit of the cross, when we receive our salvation, we are empowered to live a full life. We are empowered to live forever, Zoe. That's what Jesus came to give us, a life, a rich, a satisfying life, a life of abundance, a life of overflow. That is our potential. We need to know it. We need to access it. We're going to talk about how to do that later on. But it gets even better. Because eternal life isn't just while we're walking on this earth. Eternal life, and I don't mean to, to go into uh, heaven and talk about heaven, because I want you here on earth healed, okay? But I can't help it, because I get excited about heaven. I really get excited about heaven, because heaven is, oh my gosh, not just a step higher, or two steps, or, you know, a, a, a skyscraper higher than what we live now. We can't even imagine how our Zoe life is going to be above and beyond what we can dream. But it is. No more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sin issues, no more offense, no more people hurting people. And we will be in the presence of the Almighty God 24 7. Knowing his love in a way that we can't even begin to know now. Jesus paid the price with his resurrection for us to have forever Zoe. That's good news. This same grace, the resurrection side of grace, provides us with the ability, the strength, and the power to walk free from sin. Jesus paid the price for our judgment. He took the judgment upon himself. He paid the penalty for our sin. And he gave us dominion over sin. We were forgiven. Our spirit, our spirit was perfected, complete, wall-to-wall -wall perfect in the spirit part of us. But he also made the way for us to have power over sin. Now we know that our spirit is perfect, but boy, our soul and our flesh isn't. And yes, we can sin in our soul and in our flesh. Yup. But God has empowered us through this resurrection grace to have dominion over sin. So let's read what the scripture says. Romans 6, 14. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. That's his resurrection grace. The word under grace means that we are under the influence and the control of grace. Instead of being under the influence and the control of sin, we're now under the influence and the control of grace. And with the grace that we're empowered with, we can overcome the, the, the flesh. We can overcome our, our old ways of thinking, our old ways of, of choices that we made. We can overcome those. 
Romans 5.20 says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Now, I'm sure you've all heard an argument against the grace message that says something like this. Do you mean that I have a license to sin? That's, you probably heard that. That isn't true. Let's look at what that really means. That verse does not mean that when sin abounds in our life that God's forgiveness increases more. Like, okay, they're sinning more, so my grace is bigger. That's not what it means. This verse means that where sin used to abound in us, if, if we trust in that resurrection grace, that empowerment of God's grace, that we will, that God, that will, that that grace will abound even more to free us from that sin. Now, let me give you an example. I'm going to use me, but you can all put yourself in the same example. If you are a born-again child of God, you've probably seen things in your life change. Things that you used to do that was just who you were. It was your way of life. And something changed over time. For example, your viewing, your reading. That was a big one in my life. I used to watch anything and everything on TV, and it didn't even sear my conscience. It didn't even affect my conscience. I was immune. I was calloused is a better word. I was calloused because I was, first of all, I wasn't empowered by grace. I wasn't, hadn't yet received grace. I was still living under the law. I hadn't received Jesus yet. But even people who have received Jesus can live calloused to sin if they're enmeshed with the world, if they're yielded to the world's way. But when I came to know Jesus, remember, your horizontal resurrection grace flows from your vertical relationship with God. And when I started that vertical relationship with God, something changed in my horizontal walk. And the stuff that I used to watch on TV... I couldn't watch anymore. In fact, it literally made me sick to my stomach or hurt my heart. It still does when I hear language that is offensive or, um, or, or rude or, or hurtful or taking God's name in vain. It just like almost knocks the wind out of me. An example of that would be um, the halftime show the other night. How many of you watched that? I watched it. Oh my goodness, it just, it just, oh, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. You were smart if you turned it off, but that's what I mean. Sin doesn't even seem like sin anymore, but we grow to, to have that conviction. We grow into that place of it just like, you know, affecting us. That's the resurrection power of grace working in us and through us. We have res resurrection grace to bear fruit and to live holy because of the life of Christ within us. So not only do, are we empowered to walk away from those sinful things that have been in our lives, we also have the power, we are empowered to live fruitful lives, blessed lives, holy lives. Let me give you evidence from Scripture. John 15, 5. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. 
The ones who remain in me and I in them bear much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is cut off from vital, vital union with me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is saying, I'm the branch. And you, my daughters and sons, me, I'm a daughter, we have been engrafted into the vine. And as we stay connected to the vine, we are fed by the vine. And the vine feeds us, and then we can produce fruit. But once again, notice that it comes, first of all, with a relationship with God. As we abide with God and let him abide in us. There's another scripture that says, as we abide in his word and allow his word to abide in us, that means dwell permanently, that we produce fruit. That is the horizontal resurrection grace. We are empowered to live fruitful lives. We are empowered to produce fruit. The next scripture is another one about fruit. It's about the fruits of the Spirit. This is Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. It's very different than the New King James. But in the New King James, it, it lists nine fruits of the Spirit. In the Passion, it categorizes all of the fruit under the first one, which is love. And it says that the fruit that is in us, the fruit of Christ within us is love. And that all of the other fruits are expressions of love. So let me read this to you. just want to settle in and let Holy Spirit speak to your heart right now. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its varied expressions. Joy that overflows. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue. Faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart. And strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they're meant to be limitless. That's the resurrection power of grace. We have, because Christ is in us, because the Holy Spirit resides in us, we have the love of God. You might not feel it. You might not understand it. But the word is truth. We have the fruit of the love of God with all of the expressions of that love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, virtue, faith, gentleness, and strength of spirit, the spirit of self-control. We have that fruit in us. Kent and I have been watching... Um, the quarterback from the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, Mahome, right? Am I saying it right? Mahome with an M? Mm -hmm. Mahomes, thank you, Mahomes. And um, I've been reading all sorts of Facebook stuff on him, and he's a man of faith. He's only 24 years old. When he was 11, he gave his life to Jesus. 
We are seeing this week, we are seeing the resurrection grace in his life horizontally that came from his walk with God, his talk with God, his relationship with God. As soon as that trophy was, as soon as the game was won, they hadn't even put their hands on the trophy yet. As soon as that game was won, he's telling people about his faith, his God. He's acknowledging God. Before the game started, he was on his knees praying with four or five other of his teammates. And then Kent was telling me today, um, he read another article on him, and he said, this man is a picture of what we're talking about, the fruits of the Spirit in his life. He does all sorts of, of uh, service where he's out there serving the poor, helping kids, doing all sorts of things in his life when he's not playing football. That's who he is. The fruit is in him and it's coming out of him. He has a vertical relationship with the Father, I'm presuming, because it's evident in the horizontal world that he's living in. That's what we're talking about today, resurrection grace. We are empowered by resurrection grace to live a life of fruitfulness and holiness. So we have no excuse to walk in the flesh when we have been equipped with the life of Christ within us and his empowering resurrection grace. That grace resides in our spirit. We're spirit, soul, and body. That resurrection grace resides in our spirit. 2 Corinthians 1.12, we rejoice in saying with complete honesty and a clear conscience that God has empowered us to conduct ourselves in a holy manner with no hidden agenda. God's marvelous grace enables us to minister to everyone with pure motives, not in the clever wisdom of the world. This is especially true in all of our dealings with you. So because of what is already ours in the spirit, if we understand, that's why I'm teaching this, if we learn, if we let this revelation come into us, it's going to flow through us. Amen. We receive empowerment. We're talking a lot about empowerment today. We receive empowerment through the resurrection grace of God. I'm going to read several scriptures about being empowered. Philippians 3.10. This is good news, guys. I'm taking this word for me. You might want to write it down and put it someplace where you keep it in your heart and in your eyes, in your mind, in your, in your ears. I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. Isn't that a great prayer? I want to know Jesus more. I want to know him more fully, and I want to know his resurrection power working through me, working in me more. It's in the word. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things which he's called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. That's a promise. Amen. That's his word for us. We can't do it on our own, but we are strengthened through him in us. We're not sufficient in our own ability. 
thank goodness I don't have to do anything on my own. But with him, we are sufficient. And he infuses us. He empowers us with his inner strength and with confident peace. If you are in a place where you're not feeling very strong, if you're in a place where you're not feeling peace, look at who you really are. Feed on truth like this. Declare it over yourself. Use it as a form of prayer. When I declare God's word, that's what I say. I say, I'm praying the word. I'm talking to God. I'm giving his word back to him. And he says in, his, in the word, in another scripture, it says that his word will never return void. It'll never be canceled out. But it will it will um, fulfill, it will be fulfilled in that word that, you, that is spoken. It will come to pass. I believe him at his word. And declaring a precious promise like that will just build you up in such a powerful way. Take advantage of it. So resurrection grace empowers us in our horizontal relationship with the world around us. We have resurrection grace to love others, to serve others, to forgive others, to minister to others, and to manifest Jesus to everyone around us. That can't be done with our self-effort, only by the resurrection power of Christ in us and through us. So this grace, this resurrection grace, this empowering grace that I'm talking about tonight will not lead you to be passive, but it will lead you to be active and productive in accomplishing God's plan and purpose for your life and for the advancement of the kingdom. We're going to talk about both levels. This empowerment for you right now in your journey, whatever that journey is, that empowerment for your individual purpose, for your individual gifting, for your individual calling, and you all are called. We are all called. We're also going to talk about what that looks like to take it out to the world. But here's the big question. Are you saying yes to God? Are you following that, that resurrection empowerment, that, that, that conviction, whatever it is that's in there? Are you saying yes to it? I remember um, when God spoke to me about every book that I've written. I remember when he was nudging me, when he was encouraging me. To, to write one of those books. And I remember, I would not acknowledge it. I wouldn't say yes until I meant what I said. So for every one of those books, it was a season of stirring in my soul before I eventually said yes to God. The first one I'm going to tell you a little bit about. Um, I had received healing. I had received this amazing gift from God. I was growing in my vertical relationship, and it was amazing. Then he put it on my heart to share my story. Now, the first times I shared my story aloud, when people came to me and wanted to know what had happened, the first three times the people I shared with were also healed. I was healed of stage four cancer. The first person I shared with had brain cancer. That person was healed. The second person had sarcoma that person got healed. The third person had leukemia, and that person got healed. 
God captured my attention. He captured my heart. I think that those three healings impacted me spiritually even more than my own healing. It literally knocked the wind out of me. And I saw the power of the testimony. I saw the power of sharing what God did in me, what he did in those people. And when I made a choice to say yes, I still hadn't spoken it out loud. I still hadn't told Kent. My friend Jenny, the girl who worked at the school with me, um, don't ask me why, but we decided to walk on Paint Creek Trail after school that day. It was the only time in 23 years I ever left school building and took a walk on the trail after work. That day, I knew I was going to tell Jenny what God had been burning in my heart. I was going to tell God, and I was going to tell Jenny. I hadn't spoken it out loud yet. I hadn't said yes yet. But I knew that if I spoke it to my mentor, there was an accountability for me to actually write that book. I'd never written a book, and it scared the heck out of me. I had no idea where to begin. But I knew that it was on my heart big, and I wanted to say yes to God. So that day, as we were walking and talking, I told Jenny what was on my heart, and I, I, I asked her to hold me accountable. I told God yes, and that's the end of the story. The rest of it was God's grace. I was empowered by the resurrection grace of God to write those books. I remember when I was writing A Blessed Journey, it was during the summertime because I was a teacher, so I did all my writing during the summer. And that summer, I would write four or five mornings a week. And then on the weekends, we'd drive up north because we have a cottage up north, so we always go up there in the weekends. And as we were driving, I would read it. I would reread what I'd written. Parts of it I would read to Kant. And I remember numerous times when I was rereading the, the, the manuscript, I would just start crying because I was overwhelmed. And I told Ken, I said, Ken, honey, that's not me. I can't write that. that. That heart is God's heart being spoken through me. I was literally overwhelmed with the anointing that I could hear in my own voice in that book. That's the resurrection power of grace, and that's for every one of us. When we were saved, that cross-eyed of grace, God didn't take us right to heaven. We weren't saved, and we didn't go right to heaven. Why? Because we're commissioned here to do work here and in his kingdom here. When we were saved, it didn't take any works. Only Jesus's. Our works had nothing to do with it. We've been talking about that, about the cross side of grace. But here's where we're going now. Resurrection grace requires our works. The general principles of the cross side of grace are grace and faith. But the guiding principles of the resurrection side of grace is sowing and reaping. And that's what we're going to talk about now. I'm going to read two verses from Matthew 11, 28, and 29, and we're going to see both the cross side and the resurrection side of grace. 
Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So that rest is the vertical rest, that rest in knowing that what he did is more than enough. There's no requirements. Jesus says, just come to me, and I will give you rest. But the very next verse, verse 29, says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Jesus says, take my yoke. A yoke requires work. A yoke is used for work. But notice it doesn't say anywhere in here that we're doing it on our own. He says, take my yoke upon you. We are yoked together with Jesus. We are partnered with Jesus. And the way that a yoke works is a stronger animal is yoked with a weaker animal. This is in the natural. And the, the strength of the stronger animal helps the weaker animal. But they do work together. That's who we are with Jesus. We are yoked together with him. And he, with us, empowers us to do the works of the horizontal um, place that we're in with the world to carry out his kingdom. We're commissioned. The word, the prefix co means with. We are with Jesus doing his mission with him. And his mission is to destroy the works of the devil and to advance the kingdom of God. So here's an analogy I want to share with you. It's a good one. I am not a golfer. This is, this is for you, Glenn. He is a golfer. But I still love the analogy. So a golf ball, when it's on a tee, is at rest. It's doing nothing. It has no energy. It has no power. But when the golfer, with the power of his swing, swings through, connects with that ball, that ball is filled with energy. That ball flies, if you're a good golfer, like he is. If I golf, different story. <laughs> That's why I don't golf. The point I'm making is that's what we are. When we are at rest with Jesus in our vertical relationship, we are simply resting. Jesus did all the work. But with the resurrection power, with the resurrection grace, that power empowers us to do, to work, to be an amazing, powerful force in the world that we live in in our horizontal walk with the world. I want to be that kind of golf ball. I want to be the golf ball that rests with Jesus, but I also want to be the golf ball that is empowered horizontally in this world. Amen. So Christ, um, grace isn't only rest. If it were only rest, then that would lead to passivity, powerlessness, we're not just a golf ball sitting on a tee. That's not going to get you anywhere in a golf game. It can even lead to falling asleep. Romans 13, 11 says, To live like this is all the more urgent. For time's running out, and you know it's a strategic hour in human history. It's time for us to wake up. For our full salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So the governing principle of the cross side of grace is faith and grace.
but the governing principles of the resurrection side is sowing and reaping. So what does that mean? In this world that we live in, sowing and reaping is how we accomplish anything. And as Christians, that just takes on another whole level. So let me give you a couple of examples. First example, think of a farmer. A farmer is not going to reap a crop unless he sows seed. So let's say you have a very strong believing farmer. He can't sit back and pray and say, God, I ask you right now to bless me and to pr produce an amazing harvest this year. If he doesn't sow seed, nothing's going to happen. He has to sow the seed. But as a man of God, as a woman of God, first of all, God gives us the grace to sow, and then he blesses what we sow. And as a, a, this, this gift of grace, oh, it's awesome, because the blessing produces an abundant harvest. Abundant. The rain comes down. The, the soil is fertile. Everything comes together, and there is a, an abundant harvest. And that's a good thing. Here's another example. This happened to us recently, well, maybe a year ago. We were watching TV, and the cable went out. No, no, no signal. Nothing was there. So I called the cable company. Ken did everything he knew how to do, and it wouldn't come back on. So I called the cable company. And I said, is there, is there an interruption in service? What's going on? And they looked at our records, and they said, mm, no, you haven't paid your bill in several months. <laughs> and it was like, oh, my goodness. What happened? I realized when I changed email addresses, I, I went through all of my bills, people, and I changed my email on all of them. But it hadn't registered with Comcast. They hadn't, I hadn't paid a bill. And because they didn't send me a bill via email, I just completely lost track of it, and I didn't pay it for two or three months. They shut my cable off. They didn't even call me and tell me I hadn't missed a payment. They just shut it off. Here's the point. I am righteous. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. But I still had to sow. I had to sow my payment to reap my cable. <laughs> and I did. I immediately paid the bill, and I've paid it every month since. We, th this world works in the law of sowing and reaping. But the good news is, as born-again children of God, we have grace to sow. The work of sowing and reaping is empowered by God's resurrection grace working in us and through us. I'm going to give you a scripture, and this is Old Testament, so it's even better under the New Covenant. But listen to this scripture. This is Genesis 26:12. Then Isaac planted seed in that land as a farmer and reaped in the same year a hundred times as much as he had planted. And the Lord blessed and favored him. So a man of God sowed seed and look at the blessing, a hundredfold. This is how God works with us. So Ken and I get to witness this all the time. And you guys are part of the blessing. We sow and we see the blessing, we see the harvest. We see the harvest of people coming to know Jesus more fully. We see the harvest of healing. We see the harvest of people um, getting stronger and stronger and stronger like you, Carl. 
We see lives radically changed. We see the word, word going out uh, across the, the, the country. I was telling, yeah, across the world, I was telling Mary, I've got two, she's from Long Island, or your, your relatives? Who's from Long Island? Your brother. Her brother's from Long Island. She was telling me that. I said, I got two people I'm ministering to in Long Island right now. I'm going to be doing a ministry on the phone tomorrow with one of them. I just stand back and go, God, I don't know how you did it, but you did it. That's the grace. That's the empowerment. Nothing to do with us. It's everything to do with him. We sow, he multiplies it, and the harvest is amazing. And that's for everyone. That's for you. That's not just for me. That's for you. But we have responsibility to steward it. Kent and I are stewarding it. We're stewarding what God's gifted us. We're stewarding the calling on our life. In other words, we're, we're listening to God and being obedient and taking those steps, and that's for everybody. Listen to the scripture, 1 Peter 4, verse 10 and 11. Just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, Employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. Whoever speaks to the congregation is to do so as one who speaks the oracles, the utterances, the very words of God. Whoever serves the congregation is to do so as one who serves by the strength which God abundantly supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified, honored and magnified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we're graced. We're graced. We've received the special gift, the talents, whatever it is. We're empowered to, to allow those to work through us. But whatever gifts we have, we have a responsibility. That word means a response to his ability. And that can be so varied. We're the body of Christ. Every part of the body has different, different um, roles. My daughter-in-law, her, her ministry is a soup ministry. She loves to cook. And when God gave her this ministry, she was so overwhelmed that when she told me about it, she's weeping. It was such a part of her heart to, to make soup for people in need. And, and so when she sees people that have a need, whether it's a health need or whether they're just having a, a rough time in their life, she makes a big batch of soup. She makes muffins or something to go with it, and she prays over it, and she takes it, and she delivers it, and she loves on them. It's her soup ministry. We all have callings on our life. Our son is a finance guy. That's his career. He uses that gift in his church. He's on their, their board of directors, and he helps them with the, the financial things, like building funds things. And, and I don't, I'm not a finance person, but he is. And he uses his gift to give to the church. My husband's gifts are so different than mine, so important. And that's true with every one of us. Last night, a woman came up to me for prayer, and she was just very overwhelmed. She said, will you pray with me? I so want to hear from God. 
I don't know what that is. I don't know what that gift is. And I said, what do you love doing? She says, I love helping people. I said, that's it. We didn't have to pray about it. Helping is a grace gift talked about in the Bible. And she loves just helping people. That is a precious, precious treasure that God has placed in her. We all have these many varied gifts. It's called the manifold grace of God. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, his own master work, a work of art. That's who you are. That's who you are. You're a work of art created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. You're his masterpiece. You're his masterpiece. If you don't know what that is, ask him. And one of the first things to ask is, what do you love? What do you love? Because that's a, probably a very good snapshot of what, why you love it is because God's put that in you. So resurrection grace empowers us to manifest Jesus on the earth, first in our own life and then in the lives of those in our sphere of influence. Manifesting Jesus, destroying the works of the enemy and advancing the kingdom of God is accomplished through sowing and reaping. So we're going to close with this, and then we're going to worship. What does that look like? What does that look like to sow so that God can bless the seed and you reap the harvest, you reap the fruit? What does that look like? Back when I was first um, in my journey, my mentor, Jenny, gave me some really good advice, really good wisdom. She said, Cindy, right now, your, your journey is, should be about you and God, just you and God, not you and other people right now because you're, you're growing, you're learning, you're in this place of your vertical relationship with God, feeding your heart, feeding your soul with his promises. I remember um, I wanted to start to take that news out. I wanted to start giving the good news, but it wasn't time. In fact, for me at that time, it was dangerous. And I won't give you the details, but the enemy attacked me when I started to do that. And I was in the middle of my own fight for my life. So at that time, it wasn't time. But it sure is now. So what I'm saying is in your healing journey, do not feel condemned. Do not let the devil lie to you and say, oh boy, you better get out there and start serving or working. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we are all empowered with resurrection grace to live, to live the fullness of life that God gave you. And this may right now be your season to be you and God. But sowing and reaping is still the principle that, that you, you need to employ for this resurrection grace to work in you. So what does that look like? I've given you four things on your sheet. The first thing that you can sow that is 
amazingly rich is the seed of your words. So words of life. So words of the promises of God. So words over your health, over your body. So words over your relationships, over your children, over your family, over your finances, whatever it is in your life, in your horizontal world that you need to see a harvest in or you desire to see a harvest in. So words. God can't reap a harvest if you don't sow seed. So sow seed. Secondly, sow actions that correspond with your words. You need to look like you believe what you're saying. You need to act like you believe what you're saying. Put a smile on your face. Act the part. My pastor used to say, act the part until you become the part. That was awesome. And I've taken, I've, I believed that. Dawn, you are a beautiful example of that. You are. Dawn is walking through a really difficult season in, in, her, in her body. But you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it from talking to her. She absolutely glows. She is, she is acting like she believes, because she does. And it's just coming out of her in her life, her horizontal life. That's what the people around her see. That's what our church members see. That's what her mom and dad see. That's what I see. That's what I hear in her voice. So your actions are seeds that you sow. The third one, sow praise and thanksgiving. Sow your word, giving God praise. Sow your voice, thanking him. What you're doing when you're praising and thanksgiving is you are stirring faith. Because your focus is on God and his finished work and not on you. And that's faith. It's going to build you up in your most holy faith. Praise puts us in the, in the uh, uh, atmosphere of God. He inhabits the praises of his people. Praise puts us in that place of victory. Praise leads us into the, the very presence of God. Thanksgiving is, is, is a multiplier. When we give thanks, God can multiply things in front of us. That's what he did with the bread and the fish. When God gave thanks, they were multiplied. If you want to see what God is already doing, um, expanded and multiplied, start thanking him for what you already have. Start thanking him for what you're believing him for before you even see the results. So praise and thanksgiving. So seeds, so words, so actions, so praise and thanksgiving. And the fourth thing on your sheet, sow your attention. Give God your attention. We're really good at giving our problems our attention. Yes. Stop it. Give God your attention and your affection. Sow your attention to him, to his word. If you're in the middle of a battle even if you're not, but especially if you're in the middle of a battle, you need time with God. You need time with his word. It's first priority. Give him your attention. 
in um, August this past year, God spoke to me. And he said to me, he said, come away with me. And he said, put me on your calendar. When, he, when, I, when I heard that from him, and I, I found it in my Bible. Yesterday I was reading my Bible, and I found the scripture where he spoke to me, and it's all highlighted and it's dated when he spoke that to me through his word. And when he spoke it to me, it really, it, it took me aback. I was like, God, I already spent time with you. I love you so much. I mean, I get out of bed and I am with him every day. And I was like, God, why? Well, he wanted my undivided attention. He didn't want me, you know, just having a routine. And he said, put me on your calendar. So I got out my calendar and I started putting one day a week, one morning a week, and I wrote on my calendar, retreat, 9 to 12, put it on my calendar, 9 to 12. And this is what happened. The empowerment of resurrection grace just took over. I'm just feeling an anointing so heavy right now. You can't outgive God. He multiplied what I was sowing. I sowed my attention. I sowed my time. And I'm continuing to do it because it's so good. <laughs> I don't call it my retreat day anymore. I call it my spa day. Because <laughs> that's what it is. It's so cool. It's so awesome. He just, you can't outgive God. So give him your attention. Give him your time. So your attention, your time, your talents, your resources, what has he given you to sow? He graces us to sow. And then he blesses what you sow. And the harvest is amazing. I've got a few scriptures that I'm going to just close with. This is what we sow, and there's so much more. These are just scriptures that God was just saying, just downloading faster than I can even put the reference down. Because this is his word. And when we sow, we reap. Hebrews 13 eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, this very day, and forever. Huh. Today, guys. That's who he is. What he, who he was when he walked on this earth, he is this very day. And when we feed on his word, we reap his word. 1 Peter 2.24, Jesus himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. We reap forgiveness we reap righteousness we reap healing amen i was waiting for that amen amen let it be done to me according to your word god romans 8 11, but if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead dwells in me he who raised christ from the dead will also give life to my mortal body through his spirit who dwells in me that's the resurrection power right there the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in me. That's the seed of the word. I believe it. And it says that it gives life 
to me. What in your body needs new life? What in your body needs resurrection power? Sow the word, reap the promise. In abundance, in abundance. John 10, 10, the thief comes only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. Life, that full, complete, overflowing life. I speak into your life right now. You might be saying, that's not what my life looks like. So, so into it. Watch God multiply it. That's not just for some people. That's for every one of his children. That's what he came to live for. That's what he came to die for. That's what he came to pay for. Was our life. He wants us to live it. Sow. And you'll reap. And here's the icing on the cake. Ephesians 3.20. This is the passion. You might want to take a picture of this one. This is awesome. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. That is the resurrection power of God. More than you can begin to dream. More than you begin, can begin to ask or imagine. That resurrection power energizes you, gives you the ability to effectively live the fullness of life that God gave you. Here's the bottom line. 18 years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. 18 years ago in this month. And all I wanted was healing. That's what God did in my life. More than I can even begin to ask, dream, or imagine. That's the resurrection power. I'm empowered by his resurrection grace, and so are you. I was empowered during that season with my horizontal relationship with God growing, but I was sowing seed. I was sowing the seed of his word, and I reaped my healing, but that was just the beginning. That's yours, Glenn. That's yours. The fullness of life. You're empowered. You're just as empowered as I am. We have the same resurrection grace. Is that good news? That's good news. So right now, I just pray, Father God, that that power, I see a golf, golfer right now swinging at the ball, <laughs> hitting that ball with this amazing Holy Spirit power, and you, every one of you, being energized by that power to live your life to the full in your family, in your career, in your healing journey, whatever it is, wherever you are. Jenny, that's for you. That's for you in the ministry that God has called you to. That's for you to deliver truth to those who are so uh, needing it. That is for you, Jenny, to minister Jesus to everyone who comes into your sphere of influence. That is for you to change lives 
as you sow into them, God multiplies it. It's not you. It's not your qualification. It's the amazing resurrection power of Jesus. And God, I thank you. I thank you. And I pray for more. Bring them in, God. In Jesus' name.